This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Graham Codrington, a South African author, futurist, and strategy consultant, has been very vocal about the coronavirus and what that means for South Africa. Some of his thoughts have been very serious, talking about the elderly, the people with underlying illnesses, and obviously the poor in South Africa. But he has also added a different perspective, and ultimately, hope. Graham, welcome to the Good Things Guy Jackpot, one that is a little bit different today as we are doing it over video recording. It's the first time that I've done this on a podcast, but uh, I feel that it's necessary as we become more responsible, active citizens during this global pandemic. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Brenda. I know we've been uh, meaning to try and get together for a while. As an introvert, I suppose this would have been my preferred method anyway. So it's great to be on the Good Things Guy podcast for the first time. Thank you very much for joining me and also at such short notice. My producer just, we we felt that it was necessary to raise a bit of conversation about what is currently going on in South Africa, where we're headed, and obviously the plans that have been put in place, if it's a good idea, is um, self-isolation what we should be doing? And I think maybe just off the bat, where are we currently sitting in South Africa with this pandemic? Well, I suppose if uh, people are, look, uh, are listening to this uh, sometime in the future, it, uh, these days it's really good to, to timestamp things. You know, we're, we're on the 17th of March, and I think personally, as uh, the president spoke to us uh, on Sunday evening, I honestly was very surprised. I don't know what I was expecting. The government, I think, has been doing reasonably well over the last few weeks, but they, I think, honestly made the correct risk assessment here. You know, I think the, the countries that have allowed themselves to just keep carrying on as if things are normal or hoping that things are not going to get too bad, they are just seeing an explosion of cases of COVID-19. And so I think it was exactly the right thing to do to kind of uh, shut down some of our borders, to close uh, schools, to stop large public gatherings. So, so far, to be honest, I'm quite impressed. I suppose the biggest issue is that the best time to do something was about two weeks ago. So now we've got to make the best decision we can in the moment, and we will only really see the benefits in about two weeks' time. And the question I suppose we have to ask is, two weeks from now, are we going to look back on ourselves and wish we had done even more? Well, that, that's actually, I mean, it leads me to my next question. So if we look at Italy and how in the beginning, no one was really taking it seriously. And I don't, I don't say that just for Italy, but around the globe, mm. if we look at even very popular influencers in South Africa who were making really inappropriate jokes about what, mm. what this was, and almost a lot of people trying to be newsbreakers with misinformation and opinion instead of fact. Like when the World Health Organization is telling us it's a huge problem and we're not listening, I think there's a bigger challenge as a human race there. Absolutely. And, you know, this is why we as an organization took this very, very seriously. You know, I've been doing uh, my job, which is scenario planning and trying to anticipate disruption. I've been doing this for nearly 20 years now. And for the last 15 years or so, we've had a global pandemic 
as one of the flags, one of the things that we've told people to look out for and, you know, be thinking about at least. It's very difficult to prepare as such for a global pandemic, but it at least shouldn't take you by surprise when it happens. And this, the reason that this one has happened, and I think some people are asking, you know, we've had SARS before and MERS and swine flu, and, you know, why is this one so big? And the the issue is that 14-day period, and in fact, it now appears it can be even longer than that, where people actually have the disease and they are infectious, but they have absolutely no symptoms uh, at all. In fact, it's beginning to appear as if a significant number of people, uh, you can't really put percentages, but it might be 20, 30% of people, may never in fact show symptoms of the disease. They will have it in their body, be spreading it around to everybody else. They're young people, they're healthy people, and they will never know. And that's why it's, it's spreading so quickly at the moment. And so for those people who are vulnerable, and that's of course the elderly, and people with heart complaints, lung issues. I'm a vulnerable person, so I don't speak about this hypothetically. I have asthma, and uh, it looks as if I would be in trouble if I got this disease. It's the people who then get the disease who are the real problem. So 90% of the population are going to be fine, but 10% are absolutely not. And if it's 10% of everybody, Brent, you just do the maths, that's a lot of people. This is the thing, right? And I've got friends uh, who are in my direct, close friendship circle who have underlying illnesses, who, who we need to be worried about as mates. And as a group of friends, we've taken the decision to self-isolate from the rest of the world and also to keep mm. away from them. I mean, Forney Rogers, she's been on my show before. She had a double lung transplant seven years ago. Mm. And my fear is if she had to catch this, um, you know, it, it scares the living daylights out of me. And that's something that you've, you've also discussed quite openly, is people with underlying illnesses, the elderly, and then the huge portion of our population in South Africa that would be susceptible to this are the poor. Well, that, that's the other part that really concerns me. You know, at the moment, I don't want to be misunderstood when I say this, but at the moment, it's, it's been a rich person's disease. You know, the first 50 people who got it in South Africa were all people who had been to Europe, either on business or, in fact, most of them on holiday. And they all brought it back and they've been self-isolating and, you know, excellent. Well, well done to them for recognizing the need to self-isolate. And congratulations on having a job that allows you to self-isolate for two weeks and not be fired. Yeah. Uh, probably also not lose any of your, your salary. I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious. It's That's the truth. But it, it's, it's been a rich person's disease. And obviously, besides Iran, which uh, is actually quite similar in profile to South Africa with rich and poor alongside each other, and China, which, yes, although there are a lot of poor people in China, it's, it's the second richest government in the world, possibly even the richest government in the world, uh, with authoritarian powers. So besides Iran, we haven't really seen what this looks like in a poor country. You know, it's Europe, it's America, it's China, it's Hong Kong, it's Singapore, South Korea. We're about to see, and South Africa is going to be that country, where you see what this disease looks like, not only in the rich population, which is where it started, but now also in the poor population. And the problem is that the poor people in South Africa, as we know, 
Uh, they, they don't have great nutrition, so their immune systems are, are not where they should be as a base level. Then they can't self-isolate because how do you self-isolate in a township? And if you've got to do hygiene issues like washing your hands, which is absolutely the right thing to do, well, how do you do that if you don't even have running water and soap? And then just yesterday, I, I mean, I just cannot believe the pictures I saw of people, and let's call it for what it is, white people queuing up with their trolleys outside macro, and then just, honestly, if you need 15 kilograms of sugar to get through the next two weeks, your problem's not COVID-19, it's diabetes, my friend. Um, and, you know, we just are, we're now clearing out the shops, and then at the end of the week, when your weekly wage earners have actually got some money and can go and stock up a little bit or the end of the month next week, there's nothing for anybody else. I just, I don't know, Brent, I, I know you're the good news guy. I'm just feeling a little bit down today about realizing that the distance between rich and poor in this country is going to show, show up really bright and loud in the next few weeks. And sure. I'm, I'm worried. It's, it's incredibly sobering to hear that. And... Um, I saw it firsthand. So yesterday, I didn't go stockpiling. I didn't go bulk buying. I just went to go grab dinner. And um, I went to my local strip mall, which is Danfern Square. And the Woolworths there was emptied. There was no fruit, no vegetables, nothing fruit, no toilet paper, no canned food, no long life milk, and not a single stitch of meat. So there, there was no meat available in the whole Woolies. And then I went to the PNP, which is right next door. And that was almost just as bad. So it was like as if people had got this idea that they needed to self-preserve and stockpile as much as they can without thinking of anybody else around them, which yeah. is, is so, so sad as the human race to look at people that are it's selfish. I mean, that's, that's the perfect yeah. adjective. So, so let, let's call out the better angels of our fellow human beings. Uh, this is the, the Good News Guy channel. So how about it? Those people who have gone and stocked up, you now become the spaza shop of your, of your suburb. Please, please, please don't let any fresh veg uh, and fruit go to waste. I hope that your freezer is also on a generator when we have load shedding again so that none of that stuff that's now stuffed into your freezer goes off. Please do, do not let anything go off. At very least, if you're beginning to notice expiry dates and best before dates, honestly, I, I hope it hurts your soul if you throw any food away in the next few weeks. Just give it away to somebody who needs it. There will be people in our suburbs who are going to need help in the next few weeks. And uh, you can become their spaza shop if you've uh, stocked up yesterday. One of the things that I said on, uh, on my Monday night show with Danny, she asked me, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm stuck at home. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And I actually went around into my little cul-de-sac to my neighbors that I'd never met before. And I handed them mm -hmm. my telephone number, obviously safe and through the gates and with clean hands. Mm -hmm. But um, just so that if there's anybody in the area who might be elderly, who might be very fearful of going to the shop, that I could help them during that time. There was also something that, that seemed so simple to me, but might not be as simple to someone who is elderly, but online shopping. Like if I can help someone get what they need online and help them with the tech of that, 
and, th and that means that they're safe and they don't have to go to the shop and, and sort of herd mentality, stay away from the virus. That's something that I felt I could do right now just to help people in my community. You know, I, I think that's so important uh, for people to hear. So we, we've been told now this this new phrase, I'm pretty certain it will be Oxford's word of the year at the end of this year, social distancing. Uh, you know, we've got to keep this social distance around us. We've got to, even with our own family and friends, we, we're limiting physical touch. That doesn't mean you, you, you have to distance yourself from your community. I, I think the ideas that you've given are fantastic. And so if, if you're living in a suburb, if you're living in a complex and you haven't set up a WhatsApp group for the people in your area, do, do it now. Set it up just as a support to each other, offer help uh, to others, and then go beyond that. Uh, you know, I, I joked uh, at the top of the show that I'm an introvert and I am. And it does take a lot of energy out of me to interact with other people. But I'm putting a list of people together that I'm going to phone now. You know, I'm sitting at home. I've got more time than, I, than I'm expecting to have. And so don't let social distancing push us apart. Let it bring us together. If we're FaceTiming, if we're just phoning, I think there are going to be a lot of people who feel very isolated and very alone. And I'm guessing there's a lot of people feeling afraid at the moment. The way beyond that is human interaction, even if it's by, by phone or chatting, chatting across a wall at a distance uh, from other people. But let, let's do all of that. Love that. And um, one of the other things that I wanted to mention that you were praising on social media was the WhatsApp line that um, the government had created. Well, honestly, I didn't know WhatsApp could do this, but somebody has built a interactive WhatsApp channel. So you basically just let me grab the number and get it in front of me. If you do have WhatsApp, you send the message hi, H-I, literally nothing more than that, H-I, to uh, 060-012-3456. So 060-012-3456. And I've just realized how clever that number is. It's 060 012 There we go. Quite simple. Uh, <laughs> quite simple. It's been there right in front of me the whole time. If you send hi to that number on WhatsApp, literally within one second, you get a menu coming back at you. It's as if somebody's sitting on the other side and they've just cut and paste a message back to you. And there are a whole lot of words that you write. So there's words like prevention and update and facts. And uh, there's, there's even conspiracy theories, I think. And what you then do is you, you type one of those words back and you send it back as a message. And instantly another screen comes back with whatever you've asked. What are the prevention methods? What are the latest facts and updates? Uh, and it works magnificently. It's completely free. And I, just somebody at the government set that up in, in the last few days. And I don't think, I haven't seen anything else like that anywhere else in the world. And I'm super impressed. I'm also super impressed uh, at the, the government websites uh, that they've put out that seems to be updated literally every hour, giving us uh, information. I think they've consolidated everything now at sacoronavirus.co.za. So all one word, sacoronavirus.co.za. And that brings together all the various government information uh, parts, some latest uh, updated uh, facts and stats and prevention stuff. There's even posters to download that you can print out and put around the workplace uh, or, or the house. So 
honestly, I'm, I'm super impressed. Uh, I'm not somebody who's been super impressed with the government at all times over the last, let's be clear, 100 years of this country's history. But I am reasonably impressed now. And there's a little part of me, Brent, that's beginning to hope that possibly a crisis like this, there's a little silver lining that might emerge for our country. Because, you know, we do know this. We have super smart people in the this country. We have people committed to this country who will work themselves to the bone for this country. And in a crisis, you don't have time for corruption. You don't have time for jobs for pals. You get on and you, you, you deal with the crisis. And I think we might just do that. We might just rise to this one. And that might set the tone for the years ahead. I don't know if I'm being a little bit too optimistic uh, too early, and I don't know if it's the right time to have those thoughts. But so far, I'm impressed with how the government has responded, honestly. Graham, the, the way you're talking is giving me goosebumps because it is it does make you feel proudly South African. There are many things that the government get wrong. And like you said, for the last 100 years, it's been so. But in moments like this, where we actually have a common enemy, and even though that enemy is stealthy and silent and really can't be seen, when we have a common enemy and we all come together to fight it, it's beautiful to see a country come together. Yeah. And I honestly hope that the early days that we're seeing at the moment, so there's a few downsides that we've seen. So we hopefully we finished with all of the idiots who've been saying, what is this thing? Why are we overreacting? You know, I'm going to carry on shaking hands. Hopefully that's done now. Now we've got a little bit of the panic buying stuff and uh, hopefully that will be done soon when the stalls have got nothing in them. Uh, and then hopefully what begins to happen next is we begin to hear, and I honestly, I'm, I'm putting your channel on the, the, the front page of my phone because I think that you are going to begin to see story after story after story of South Africans just stepping up. This is what we can do. And I really hope that everybody just says, right, there is no more normal. There is no more world as we knew it. This for the next two to three months is, is our reality. It is a crisis. It is an enemy that, that is a common enemy for all of us. And so now let's all do the good thing. Let's all do the right thing. It could be, it's not gonna, that's the wrong way to phrase it. I was going to say it could be amazing. It, it isn't. It's going to be horrible. But in the crisis, we can see the best, the best of who we are, I hope. That's my, my prayer and my hope for, for the country. Uh, something I always believe in and something I always say is that in times of tragedy, we always need to look for the helpers because they are the heroes that will always step up. They will always be there. And those are the people that we need to be celebrating. And I'm looking forward to seeing those stories and telling those stories. Graham, it's been amazing having you on my video call podcast. Very different. But um, I, I kind of feel that underlying, even though this is incredibly serious and it is a time of crisis, there is hope. Well, absolutely, there is. If we could imagine a worse pandemic, it would be easy to imagine a worse pandemic. If 10%, 30%, 50% of people were killed, if it was a Hollywood pandemic movie. Yes, there are vulnerable people, I'm one of them, but I think that we can protect them. The things we need to do to protect ourselves from this virus are, are actually quite, quite simple. And there will be a vaccine soon. We cannot imagine that there are not thousands of very, very smart scientists around the world all desperately trying to come up with a vaccine. So we will solve this. We, we will come out the other side. This, 
where we are now is not our new reality forever, but it is our reality for now. And I'm hopeful that we will see the best of us, not the worst of us in the weeks to, to come. Graham, if people, I know you're putting out videos um, with a lot of information. Mm -hmm. You're constantly, I mean, your Facebook is incredible with the amount of information that you're putting out there. If people want to follow you and get that information and, and read and see and follow up, where do they find you? I, so luckily I have a, a, an, an easy name. It doesn't get confused with other people. So Graham Codrington, Graham is spelled G-R-A-E-M-E. And whichever is your platform of choice. At the moment, I'm putting stuff up on, on Facebook. I've, I don't have a public profile, so I've reached my 5,000 friend limit, but my profile is open. So you can just follow me on Facebook. LinkedIn is a place to go. You can go to Instagram. I am now self-isolating with my teenage daughters, and they convinced <laughs> me that Instagram is definitely something to, to get my head around. So that's part of what I'm learning about in, in, in at the moment uh, and, and getting, getting where all the cool kids hang out. Uh, then obviously on YouTube. And on each of those channels, I've really tried to make it easy for you to find me. Just search for Graham Codrington and you probably won't miss me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Once again, on short notice, um, but it has been incredible chatting to you and I am feeling more hopeful. Awesome. And you know what, Let, let's do this uh, once or twice more in the next uh, few months. I'm going to definitely watch and share some of your stories. And I know that you watch my channels and, and will pick up some of the things that I find. And let's just make sure that between us, we remind people that we will get through this. It is going to be okay. In fact, it could be more than okay. This could be a defining moment for all of us to show how brilliant we are uh, as people and as South Africans. I love that. We will get through this. It is going to be a defining moment. And as I always say, wishing you only good things. I'm Brent Lindeke, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. And you've been listening to Good Things Guy, a jackpot podcast. For more episodes or to subscribe, rate or review my podcast, go to iTunes, Iona FM or Google Podcasts. Be kinder than necessary to yourself and each other. Thanks and only good things. <laughs>